Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What the fuck of Barry Finns? What the fuck of Delics? I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. It's been a rough few days in the world. Horrible carnage. Evil fucking people. Fucking just fucking horrible. And uh, I just want to say up front here that my, my heart goes out to... Uh, all the people all over the world and in Paris and, and anybody who lost anybody in that horrible fucking, just fucking monsters. It's, it's just, it's just terrifying. Sometimes it's just terrifying. And I, I know we get a little insulated over here in the States and we may not have our, our heads in the game in terms of what's going on in, in the world. And we live our little lives and, and I imagine, yeah, most people are just doing what they they want to do to get by and have fun and, and then just fucking just horrible evil carnage and it's just devastating and, and fucking sad. And and sometimes it seems so um unresolvable. But again, um I'm sorry for anybody who uh who lost people and I'm sorry for uh for all of us in a way. Sometimes uh living at this time in history, I imagine not unlike any time, is just fucking overwhelming. So what I did, uh, aside from process it and feel horrible, is I uh, I played some pretty angry guitar. <laughs> Try to send something out into the world. But um, but yeah, you, you know, it's, it's just been, it's just been a pretty horrible few days. I, um, I did, you know, I do sometimes think about that. I, I you know, my, my, yeah, initially I, I feel angry and, and then I feel just sort of despair and then I feel a certain amount of pointlessness and, and then, you know, I, there's part of me just wants to run away. But where? Where? We got to move on. We got to remain fearless and, and not be, uh, you know, just fucking psychically pummeled to a point where, you know, we can't function. That being said, uh, there is part of me that's ready to start the band. I, I know that uh, that it seems like a crazy dream, seems like a ridiculous idea, but uh, to be honest with you, I, I went out and, uh, you know, Brendan Small and uh, 
Pete and Joe and Walter and the fellas that Brendan does, you know, from you might know him from this show or Metalocalypse and great guitar player. They do these shows, these baked shows where you tell a story and then, you know, you can play some music. And I just jump at the opportunity to play music with other people uh, whenever I can. And uh, every time I do it, I think, well, why, why, why don't I do this? This, this was really the dream. This was really the dream to be in a band. Did I mention I have Daniel Radcliffe on the show today? The actor. The actor who's, who portrayed uh, a character that maybe some of you are familiar with, Harry Potter. I don't want to pigeonhole him. But uh, what a great kid this kid is. This kid's a good kid. Uh, you look forward, look forward to that conversation. This Radcliffe kid, he's all right. These kids, I'm old. I'm getting old. The fear's in me. I can see it. I can see the darkness. That's why I want to play guitar. I just want to play guitar through the darkness. Find it. Find that life source. Find that. Tap into that well of existential poetry. Just, just make a couple of, uh, maybe one record. That's my dream. I want to make a, like I disappear for like two or three years. And then I get a small label to record this weird record I did uh, with no, no, um, only one take, uh, maybe nine songs, one take, me and, and a guitar, and maybe a guy on drums. Let's uh, we'll throw a bass player in too. Might, might as well have a keyboard player, but it has to be one take, and I have to uh, has to be impulsive, no planning. Like I'd like the story to go something like this. Yeah, you know, I was a fan of Marin. This is a, I'm doing a character now. This is a character of a guy who runs a recording studio outside of Portland, Oregon. Yeah, man, I mean, I was sort of a fan of Marin. You know, I, I liked his TV show, all right? The podcasts were pretty good. You know, I liked to listen to the podcast. I used to fast forward through the beginning, but I enjoyed the podcast for the most part. I, I knew he played a little guitar, but I didn't know much about him. And then one night, you know, he showed up. He just showed up with a guitar, no amp. It was missing a string, and uh, he didn't look good. He, he didn't look strung out, but he didn't look good. It wasn't like he was on drugs or nothing, but he looked like he wasn't eating well. He looked he looked kind of gaunt and tired, and he looked like he'd been wearing the same pants for a while. And he didn't smell great. And uh, he just said, "Look, I want to I want to cut a record. I got the songs right here." And he pulled out all these weird scribbled post its and pieces of paper and napkins he'd written some stuff on his arm and uh, i said i well i mean you know uh, you, you know it's late you, uh, i know but i i just gotta he said i just gotta you know i just gotta get these out and i go all right well you, you know I, I it's good to see you. i was a fan of your stuff and i, I guess you're, you're not doing that anymore but uh but yeah we can lay some tracks down and then he said well do, do, do you know a drummer and a bass player and a piano player and i said look dude it's like five it's 5 p.m you know, it's Tuesday. I don't know where I'm going to find those people. I know people, but I mean, we got to do this now. And he said, yeah, we got to do it right fucking now. And uh, I don't know why, but, you know, he was convincing. It seemed urgent. And uh, I made some calls. I got some guys here and they did, you know, he'd rehearse it, uh, barely rehearse it. Just tell people the groove. They're not complicated songs. And, um, uh, you know, and, 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 and they, they just laid these tracks down. One take. All nine tracks, and and that's the story behind it. I, I had no idea that it would uh, 
pick up as much traction as it did and you, you know i guess it was a pretty important record for a lot of people and i've never seen Marin again and i guess most people haven't but uh i'm sure glad we have this record and that i was part of it and seen that's how i picture it that's how i picture it that's how it's gonna go uh look i uh i want to uh help out my buddy i got my buddy chris garcia on the phone uh he's uh he's recording his first comedy album tomorrow uh, that's Tuesday and Wednesday, November 17th and 18th at the Punchline in San Francisco. This guy's really one of the funniest guys I, I've worked with. I love him uh, as a comic. He's a great guy. He he did say he featured for me uh, before my upcoming special that's going to be on Epics December 4th. And uh, yeah, I got him on the phone for a second. So let's talk to Chris Garcia. Hello? Chris. Hey, what's up, Mark? Where are you? Right now, I'm in San Francisco. How many shows are you doing? Two shows, uh, Tuesday, the, the November 17th, and then Wednesday, November 18th. And this is your first hour that you're going to make into a record? My first hour. You know, when I was opening for you uh, for your last special in Chicago, um, I was like, oh, I can do that. So uh, <laughs> thanks for the inspiration. <laughs> yeah, sure, man. I try to make it look like anybody can do it. <laughs> that was my agenda when I got into comedy is I just want people to think that it's easy and they can do it. Well, you fooled me. <laughs> well, I I love your comedy and I'm glad you're doing it. So what's going on? How's your dad doing? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, he's good. He's pretty stable. You know, it's hard with Alzheimer's people, you know, they come and they go and sometimes it's harder or not. But right now he's, uh, he's hanging in there. So he's pretty mellow. And uh, it's just nice when it's like when it's calm for a little while. I think you're one of the few people that does um, uh, very heartfelt and very uh, sensitive and and um, comforting comedy around uh, around having a, a, a relative or a parent with Alzheimer's. So I guess not to be insensitive, but uh, is has that well run dry comedically, or where are we at with that? Oh, no, man. There's stuff happening all the time. It's, uh, and it's just, I mean, it makes it easier, you know? Yeah. But my mom, um, my, this is something that happened that my dad, uh, he started acting like this other woman was my mom. So yeah. he started acting as if this other very tiny lady was my mom. And he was just like holding her hand and being sweet to her. And my mom would go to visit and he'd be like, who the fuck's this lady? <laughs> And he'd tell my mom to get away. <laughs> and they were, um, my parents have been married for 52 years, you know? Oh. And um, my mom called me up and she was like, hey, that other lady, that lady died this week. And I was like, oh, that's too, uh, like, that's too bad. And my mom was like, that's what that bitch gets. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, no. I mean, it's sad and it's dark, but it's so real and it's funny. And has your father readjusted to your mother yet? Yeah, oh, yeah, he's back. Oh, okay. He's always right. kind of got the hots for her anyway. Well, that's <laughs> that's good, man. And when's the um, when's the record planning? When are you planning on coming out with it? Uh, I'm not sure. Definitely uh, trying to do early 2016. Yeah, probably going to go with a vinyl release just because just an excuse to have my own vinyl record finally. Yeah, man, and you're then, you're uh, another record guy. How's your vinyl ad addiction coming along? Uh, pretty good. I've been doing, I've been going into some African stuff recently, which is super cool. Oh yeah. Uh, I just picked up this, you know, this guy, uh, chief commander Ebenezer Obey. 
No, man. Uh, he sounds important. He so- sounds important. Like this real raw. Yeah. And funky, and he's got like thousands of albums. Those guys put out a lot of albums, but uh, really good stuff. So, what are we trying to do? Get people to your gig? Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, we're trying to get them there either night, Tuesday or Wednesday. That okay. would be awesome. Um, it starts at eight. You, okay. They can get tickets at punchlinecomedyclub.com or um, they can actually call the Punchline box office and avoid paying the fee. But it's better. And part to, of the proceeds I'm donating to the Alzheimer's Association, so yes. it'll go to a good cause and stuff. Yeah, buy your ticket, do a good thing, see a good comedy show, help Chris. He's uh, he's going to be a father soon, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy the show. Awesome! Thanks so much, dude. I appreciate it so much. And when's your special coming out? My special is coming out December fourth on Epics, which a few people get. Um, I'm very happy with it. I, I I did. You know, you saw what I did. You were there. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited I, about did it. Did I make the cut? Am I in it? Yeah, you are actually. Whoa. Yeah, there's a like in some of that backstage stuff where you come off stage. I think it's where you tell me um, uh, they're good, they're your people, and then I I have a look of pain, and then I readjust my penis. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I think that explains our dynamic pretty well. <laughs> well, break a leg, buddy, and go, and have a good time. I appreciate it, Mark. Take right. care. You too. Bye. So, yeah, again, Chris, November 17th and 18th, that's tomorrow and Wednesday at the Punchline in San Francisco, and a portion of the proceeds will benefit the Alzheimer's Association. Chris is actually one of the few dudes that, um, you know, his father has Alzheimer's, and he, you know he handles talking about it with such... Um, humanity and humor and love it, it's really a treat to go see him so if you're in the bay area and there's still tickets available uh go see uh, go see chris tape is special that's tomorrow the 17th and wednesday the 18th at the punchline in san francisco so uh this is me and uh daniel radcliffe his new movie is victor frankenstein that opens uh november 25th he plays igor but the twist is is that igor is a genius yeah yeah that's the twist. All right, this is me and Daniel. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Radcliffe. Yesterday I went to... Pull it into your face. Yesterday I went to uh, ESPN, which was fucking awesome because i've never got to you know because there is i'm i'm the rarity of like an englishman who really like loves american football and like a lot of other sports oh really and so i they i think somebody found out about that and so they asked me to go and 
Scott, my publicist, was saying that like normally actors are just like, oh, I don't want to go to Bristol, Connecticut. I wouldn't like, but I was just like, yes, absolutely. That sounds so cool because I don't watch all the entertainment shows that I have to go on. Right. But I do watch like His and Hers oh, yeah? and like all those shows. So it was like I got to, and Highly Questionable, so I got to go on them. So you knew all of them and you knew their shows? Yeah, and, they- and I, was, I was able to genuinely go in and be like, hey, I really like you guys. So <laughs> That is a rare thing where you, uh, you, there is so many shows that um, I imagine most of the time you go in and you're like, all right, who, what are their names? So, okay, so well, the, it's uh, weird though, actually, because I've had, I'm in kind of a, an oddly lovely position of like having been interviewed by a lot of these people since I was 10 or 11. So they all like, know go, you. Look, go, you're growing up. Yeah. Like, I go back to uh, Kelly and Michael and Kelly Ripper's like, I've known him since he was 11. <laughs> and she's genuinely like incredibly <laughs> sweet. So some places there's like, it's... It's no like if you. I was thinking about this the other day actually. Like if you told sixteen year like fifteen sixteen year old me that like one day you'll be able to go on these shows and not just be shitting yourself beforehand and not just be terrified and you'll actually be able to like go on and be kind of relaxed. Right, I would have blown my mind. Really? Yeah. Because well, now you're an established guy and and uh, and you're sort of uh, sort of uh, kind of easing out. Yeah, I mean, it must be a relief at some point. I think I would be more nervous uh, to, you know, kind of wonder how long will it be before they stop going. Harry Potter is here. I think I, I sort of did myself a favor by letting go of that worry, that like worry a long time ago, and just kind of accepting like that's always going to be there. Like it's going to be when when I die, that'll be the first line of my obituary. Like that's (laughs) Harry Potter slash. You know, slash maybe did some other stuff. Um, <laughs> they wouldn't even put your name you know, on your obituary. Yeah. Harry Potter, also, in aka Danny Radcliffe. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I, I, what did I have? I had, um, I had somebody. Uh, what did they say to me? Really? Because I do sometimes get people saying, like, "Can you?" Like when I sign, very occasionally now I'll get someone saying, like, when I sign something from them, they say, "Can you write Harry Potter?" And I'm like, "No," because that's not my name. Oh, really? And yeah, no, I don't. I don't sign. Harry are they upset anymore. about it? Um, generally they're okay, and it's it's so rare that that happens. Are they kids? Or are they? No, I'm not doing that to kids. Like, if it's a kid, I'll write. I do my name then, like in brackets, all right? Because like, I don't expect them to. They, yeah. you know, they've just started. Because then you just words, be a, like, a dick. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Then you just be being a horrible person to a the, child. They'll grow up that knowing, like, man, I like that. Yeah, Harry that was, yeah exactly. That's. I think when you have like that, yeah, when you have that awareness of how well much they're going to remember those interactions, like that's. that's well, I imagine that some of those fans that were your age when you did that are now like your age now yeah so it must be sort of bizarre i mean do you, uh, how do they make the transition when they come up to you it's pretty, are they supportive yeah. like when you did equus did you no, have harry they were really like that was what was amazing about that was people were you know i guess the, the people that disapproved of it just didn't come see it and i didn't right. encounter any of them um, oh the people that could not uh, look at you in any other way yeah i mean that's the thing and, and i and i can't like i used to when i was uh when i went on the 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 view a while ago um and you know that's another show that i've been going on it's a lot of ladies yelling at you yeah and and barbara (laughs) Walters was there and she said and yeah this was i was like i was 23 24 how old are you now i'm 26 yeah i was doing an interview about kill your darlings where i played alan ginsburg and there was yeah i saw that gay sex scene and i saw that sundance oh cool yeah thank you and and uh and she said uh and and she was like, "Hey, we don't know. We don't want to see you that way. You're a kid." And I was like, "Well, I'm not actually anymore. Like, it's fine if you don't want me to see me that way, but don't tell everyone else that they don't want." Yeah, to. Yeah, the kid, mm-hmm. Harry Potter's taking it. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, it's not like it wasn't. It wasn't. Well, you were the age that. of Ginsburg at that time. I imagine, maybe even mm-hmm. a little older. 
and I was lucky to be able to like I was very lucky that people gave gave me opportunities directly after Potter finished to play like more grown up stuff and do because I could have been like getting teen offer type stuff right. for right. well yeah and, you could have been doomed to what happens to child actors well that what the perception of what happens to child actors well let's I'm go through it, it let's yeah. go through it and you know, let's lead up to that and I'll write that down to make okay. sure I make uh, uh, get you back to it mm-hmm. but like when you got the role of, of Harry Potter, I mean, you were like, uh, it was... I was, I was I met, 10, 11. Right, but it yeah. complete, I imagine it was completely under your parents' sort of guidance and control and... and yeah, well, initially they didn't want me to audition for well, it. Well, are they in show business? They are. They, they were, yeah. They were both actors when they were younger. and then Like how young? Like, like I guess they probably stopped when they were in their late 20s before they had me. So they, um, they, uh, they'd given it a go. Yeah, and, and come out the other side. Was there bitterness there? There was not bitterness because they both like really enjoyed it and had like had a lot of fun and had found other places in the industry that I think they honestly like enjoyed more like my mum became a casting director uh-huh. I have to point out at this point she never cast me in absolutely anything do you have to say that's your so, personal clause yeah, I'd like to add I have something. to say that because like as soon as because there was also a moment on the on the first Potter film where yeah. one of the producers coincidentally is his surname is also Radcliffe right. and so all the people when I came in for the audition because I was auditioning like I auditioned quite late for Potter in terms of the how long the process had been and so I think they were like oh wow now we're really scraping the barrel we got <laughs> producers kids coming in and it was not, and it was so my dad became a literary agent so my dad was an agent for writers and directors like any writers we'd know um who he used to represent joe wright he used Uh to represent uh, hetty mcdonald jonathan harvey lots of british playwrights um joe penhall so you grew up in this world yeah i i I grew up surrounded by like i I grew up with a knowledge of it but i never i went on set once with my mum to a set visit with her for for one of her projects when you were like earlier than 10 yeah when i was like maybe seven or eight and were you taken with it um yeah, I mean, I've still there's a photo of me uh, at home with like the clapperboard on, yeah. like which, uh, so I clearly yeah. like had, had a nice yeah, let day. the kid clap yeah. this scene out. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. there was like, and there were, and it was also it was a it was a it was a film with a lot of kind of teenagers in yeah. it. So and they were like took me under their wing for the day. And yeah. I was like playing football with them and stuff. Um, so it was yeah, it was a lot of fun. And what, um, what, where did your parents come from? They're both British. My dad's Northern Irish, and my mum's my mum's English from Essex. And and your mom's Jewish. My mom is Jewish. Yeah, we're not practicing at all. We're like Christmas tree Jews. We're not like religious. Uh, but you, like, did you have a Protestant. Jewish grandmother? I do have a Jewish grandmother. I still have a Jewish grandmother. <laughs> oh, good for you. Yeah, absolutely. She and she's uh, she's yeah, she's wonderful. Oh, cool. I've just seen your presidential stuff. Yeah, the, the president God. sat where you're yeah, sitting. That's, that's in that really chair. Cool. That's you you awesome. like that? Yeah. But you weren't brought up with any religion in the house? and uh, No, not really. And Northern no. Ireland. So did you spend time up there? I Ireland. did, yeah. My, my dad's uh, sister and her husband. And like where? What part? Like Banbridge, just that in County Down, just outside Belfast. It's beautiful, right? It, it is, yeah. It's a, it's like, it's... Ireland to I me is like been, stunning. No, I it is. I mean, actually, like, Banbridge is lovely and, and obviously I don't want to like... Cause any trouble? talk about another place. <laughs> but, like, the west coast of Ireland as yeah. well. I spent time there uh, as well and it, it is, like stunning and it's one of those coastlines that I think people don't because you know you think of Ireland you think rain and there is a lot of rain but there's also like it's kind of just epic and it's it's really yeah it's like green and beautiful like I didn't uh, you know I have nothing invested uh, genetically in Ireland but I went there and I'm like I think I'm home I don't know what (laughs) the fuck it was no I I have to say there is something incredibly like just comforting and meditative and like it's it feels like yeah, life just sort of takes over there in a rather lovely and calm way. Yeah, um, and the people are great. But then I think I think I, do, I haven't grown up in city. I don't know. Did you grow up in a city or were you? Like, Not really. I grew up in Albuquerque, New okay. Mexico. You right. grew up in London. Uh, yeah. So I think I would always. I think I'd find it hard to be 
totally yeah. divorced. Well, from wait till you're on the other side of it. I'm, I'm starting to lean more towards the idea that maybe I could be comfortable isolated somewhere in a pretty place. <laughs> maybe it's not your agenda no, I mean, right like, now. That's the thing. Like sometimes I have those moments. Like I definitely like sometimes like, oh yeah, I could, I'm really, I'm very good at being uh, alone and like I'm, I'm a happy end. But, but yeah, I, I think I feel, I feel cut off. But I'd have to long. assume like, you know, fortunately, uh, I don't know if you've uh, shaved your head for a role. I have. Yes. Okay. I've not just become very, very right wing. <laughs> um, it's, but the film is, it's about an FBI agent who goes undercover with a bunch of white supremacists. Is that a, it's, where's that being shot? It was shot actually very close to where those white supremacists would literally arrested yesterday. In the Midwest? In, uh, no, in Virginia, in, just outside Richmond. Really? Yeah. And, and I, who's I, shooting I, that movie? Uh, it was a guy called Daniel Ragusis. It was uh-huh. his first film, first feature film. Uh, and he wrote the script as well. And he's like, he's the nicest man. He's just, a, it was one of the, I've, I've been like really lucky this year to have just amazing experiences with directors. Just like great people. Did you, uh, did you speak with an American accent? I did in that, yes. In fact, I spoke with an American accent in that the whole time from like morning till night. Like nobody ever, nobody on that, nobody working on that film heard me in an English accent. And it was a Southern no, Ameri- it wasn't. It okay. wasn't. I, I actually was learning a South American accent for something else, and I really enjoy it, man. It's weirdly, um, it's closer to an English accent than a lot of other I imagine American that's true. Because the R's are less pronounced. But did you, what did you do? Have to get tapes of people going, how are you? Yeah, I mean, you, what do I do? I, yeah. I listened to the guy, in, in theory it was going to be for somebody I would be playing, so I listened to a lot of the guy himself, and then I listened to... Uh, and then I got like a coach and then yeah you just go through the script and then they go through it with there's various ways of doing it. I've got some friends who literally go through it with the international phonetic alphabet and how they've learned that and then they get that written out for them and that's how they learn it that I just have to listen it's like math it. yeah that's why I can't do that so and, I just have to listen but that's interesting because as an American you'd think like if I had to speak with a Russian accent in a film that you, you'd have tapes for that but I didn't really think that there would be coaches and tapes for speaking southern oh, dialect yeah, absolutely of course there are I mean that's the thing that's the thing that I always I find hilarious yeah. about America is that America and Americans have a thing about the southern accent as sounding sort of dumb and like silly whereas like the rest of the world as you know thinks they sound fucking cool yeah right like, we're all just like they sound like cowboys they sound tough they sound awesome like that is a great accent I'm like, yeah i don't know what the comparison would be I, I think that like I, I used to i think they do get stereotyped but yeah, i, I stopped doing that yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, because you like you can't like you, well you well you spend time down there and you're like holy like, shit it's beautiful so many, there's and there's so many like awesome people exactly and, like, and I, I, I went exactly. like, everyone i tell i filmed this movie in virginia everyone's like oh, oh virginia and i'm like no guys like it's lovely the yeah. people are great they like, are richmond's super like yeah romantic. it's not like but you know. but speaking about like uh uh, reprieve or or you know the idea of of being somewhere calm and peaceful i mean i can't imagine that at, that your life is is uh easy you know that everyone sort of has that impression but like i've i think i've managed to like simplify my life a lot like i know what i like doing i like hanging out with my friends and I also like you're, you're fortunate that you're growing up yeah and, and that like you do look a little different and you can yeah. probably get I mean, by there's have you ever said this uh, when someone goes like, are you Harry Potter? And go, no, I'm not. I don't do that, but I do, <laughs> but I will. But if you just come up and say, are you Elijah Wood? I will say no, and I won't tell you who I am. <laughs> um, <'cause laughs> My girlfriend confused you too. <laughs> oh, really? 
That's, it's happening so much, and it's happening even more with a shaved head. I don't know why. She said, "Does he DJ?" I'm like, I don't think he does. Because <laughs> <laughs> Elijah's really yeah. into records. Yeah. Are you guys no, friends? No, no, we've met. We've met once, and we've communicated through other people a couple of times. It's because of the Hobbit, though. It's not because you look it's alike. Cause, it's because we look a. Li- it's because the. It's because the idea of us is the same. Like we're both kind of short guys with big blue eyes and brown hair. And you, no you, hair you did fantasy movies and of a specific type. That came out almost the same time. Like originally, those for when Harry Potter was first coming out. Like the first three, you sort of forget now that originally, the first. Th- those first movies were coming out kind of alongside each other and they were like build as like the fantasy movies like versus Lord of the Rings yeah, yeah. Potter, like uh, that you guys have to do something together like a I, road I, movie I would love to do like I'm thinking of trying to like write something where, where like with some sort of mistaken identity thing or where one of us it, you know kills the other one and yeah, takes do over a bit. their life or something yeah. you know I did, there, there's got to be some money you could do a short out. one for like Funny or Die or something like, even his one of it somebody who was producing a film that he was working on came up to me and was like hey elijah and i'm like uh no i'm not and he was like we're working on this movie and i'm like no you should re- if you're working with elijah wood you should know i'm not him <laughs> nobody looks like <laughs> this is yeah so you hang out with your girlfriend you find but you don't yeah, friends i'd like i just i don't i mean i work i work and i'm really like lucky in that i that's the thing i got lucky in is that i loved like being on set, mm-hmm. and that, so that's what I love doing. So and that could then, be six months a year to a year, a yeah, full like year. This sometimes. year, I've, this year I've done, I've like I've done uh, two and a half movies, and because one was the back end of last year as well, and a, and a TV film. So that's probably accounted for like five six months. So right, it's been, and it's been, and that's like great. And the rest of the time, I've been like either working on trying to get other stuff going, or just chilling out, or promoting stuff. Or like, but it's I. I I know the routine of this world yeah. very well now because yeah. I've done it for a long time and I'm very like comfortable in it and I sort of don't know what my life is without it which is a problem in and of itself possibly yeah. to down the line but like I, I'm lucky that I took to it like I did in terms not in terms of like being a great actor necessarily straight away because I definitely don't think I was that but but just in terms of loving it straight away well um, when yeah. you okay so you get the role now did. At the beginning, were you done what two other roles before you took yeah, Potter? Basically, just a, little a TV movie for the BBC and a small part in a film. And your parents were into it. They're like, "Oh, this seems to be working out for them." So now they get this huge offer. Were they immediately like, "Yeah, no, great, what, go"? No, what it was actually was that they because originally the offer was to make to sign on for all the movies or at least I think six movies. They knew they were going to do six at least. Yeah, and and <laughs> then um, and and it was to sign on for all of them. And or maybe they didn't know they were going to do them, but they certainly wanted to make sure they had me if they yeah. wanted, needed me. You needed some uh, consistency with the main character, right? So they wanted to sign on for six films, and they were all going to be done over here yeah. in LA. And my mum and dad, I didn't even hear about it at this stage. I never heard that this was. A and you didn't even hear it was offered to you? No, no, no. My mum and dad were just like, "No, that's a crazy disruption to his life. We don't want that for him, and or, or want him to, and frankly, like." want me to know that that was a thing that was going on like, right. and I, I do I think that was definitely right and anyway then time passed and the offer then changed to signing on for two films and they were both going to be done in London Right. at which point my mum and dad were like and then we had this sort of moment like I don't believe in fate but my mum and dad do um, and no religion but fate yeah yeah <laughs> um, I mean I think my mum and dad believe in God yeah um, but uh, and, and yeah and definitely fate because then they started like we went to the theatre one night and the producer of Potter happened to be there uh, in the row in front and I was just having this really weird moment of being like why is this why isn't he watching the play? Why is this dude in the row in front keep turning around and looking at me? Because I still had no knowledge that an offer had been right. made or anything like that. Um, 
uh, or an offer to audition. Sorry, it right. wasn't an offer. And then I remember my mum and dad like rushed me upstairs at the interval, <laughs> and I was sort of standing there looking like, "What's going on?" And my mum and dad being like, "Do we do we leave? Do we go back down? Like, what's he's going to want to come over and talk?" Like, what? And they were negotiating still, so that you couldn't talk to him. No, no, no. They were they they. My mum and dad were just thinking like, if he talks to him, then we're gonna it's gonna, like, be, it's gonna be about Potter, and and, right. and then you know, and we don't know what the situation is, and so then we went. But and they didn't, I guess, still know how they felt about it. Um, and then, so their concern was he would come up to you and go, like, "Are you gonna do it?" <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, or, yeah. or maybe that he would talk about it, and then I would feel that they've been keeping it from me. Or right, so, I, right, I, I, right. I, I don't honestly know, but they, um, but I, I do think like they would just they would they were aware of what a potentially big deal this was and they were kind of freaking out about like is this the right thing to do right because i remember i turned around to my mum when i was like six years old after seeing like a pantomime production of aladdin yeah and gone like i think i want to be an actor yeah. and my mum was like no you don't trust me it's like it's not it's not all fun and games like that your, like, your father not, and i uh, yeah, 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 yeah kind of that yeah, kind of yeah, thing yeah yeah and, and heartbreaking so, business yeah um and so uh but then after we went back in and saw yeah. the rest of the play and we did indeed speak to David and it was absolutely fine there was nothing mentioned about it um, and then when we went home my mum and dad I think that they were like maybe this is maybe this is the universe they were supposed to be it was supposed yeah. to be um, so they let me audition and then yeah I think I only had like four or five auditions compared to Rupert and, 11, uh, Rupert and Emma who had like ten or eleven each really yeah so they were pretty sure that this was going to be a monster like they I mean I, I on think, some level had, had yeah, you read the I, books? I'd read the first two. But Did you I like them? Yeah, but I was also not a reader. Right. Like, I found reading really, like, a trial at that point in my life. I love it now, but, like, I, at that point, I hadn't, it hadn't clicked yet at right. all. It just felt like a chore. Um, and, and also, I was always, I suppose, slightly, like, contrary in the way that, like, if everyone's really into something, yeah, why would I have I, to be like, okay, well, I'll wait yeah. and see if I like it later. You still like after that? you guys are unfashionable. Um, no, I'm much better about that now. Like, I'm I'm, yeah, I, I'm not, like, I used to be, I remember, like, I, I was thinking about this the other day, like, what a dick I was to some, like, ex-girlfriends about their taste in music. Like, yeah, what pretentious oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. arsehole I was There's, about. So, it's just it's like, a deal oh, breaker sometimes. God, yeah, when, when you're a teenager, you're like, it's so important. Like, oh, yeah. God, how painful. Or, well, sometimes I'll um, just be like, no, nah, I don't like it because everyone else likes it. And then, like, ten years later, I'm like, well, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember I read a, I read a, I read, um, yeah. I was, I was doing an interview recently with uh, NME in, in England. And so I re went back and read an interview I'd done with them when I was 14. I didn't read very much of it because it was all, <laughs> And there was one bit in it where I like I was. They were like, "What bands don't you like?" And I was like, "Oh, the White Stripes, man. They're really repetitive." And I was really like, "What are you talking about, you idiot? The White the Stripes wise. are great." No, I think impulsive, <laughs> maybe instinctively, you might be right, but maybe you didn't quite get it because there right. is a repetitive. Like, if you listen to a few White Stripes albums, you're like, "Well, they're sort of doing the same thing." But they are, but now, like, I have such an affection for that music because sure. it was the music of my teenage years. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, I, I. You know, you sort of ne you rarely love any music as much as you love the music. I think when you're a teen, I think that's true. Yeah. I, unfortunately, when I grew up there, you know, the music available on the mainstream level was, uh, you know, you really had to, you know, find your way through it. Right. Or I would be listening to Foreigner records right now. Right. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. That's that was a that was a tough era. Like everything and everything like before it and there was just some good after stuff. it was so good. But yeah. It was you have to work for it. But yeah, uh, the good stuff that was not mainstream, I had to find my way back to because right. I just didn't have access to a lot of it. And now I'm right. sort of like, how the fuck did I miss this? Well. Wasn't you're given what you're given yeah. through the outlets you're given. Exactly. You got to know a guy who's going to tell you like, oh, you don't know who they are. Yeah, got, yeah. That's yeah. Oh, yeah. So, what was your relationship or is relationship with uh, J.K. Rowling? I mean, do you? I mean, are you guys we don't, like we're not like tight 
like yeah, we don't you know we don't like talk but it's just like uh, uh, like we always got on really really well and she was obviously incredibly kind to me and really supportive of the films and she came and saw Equus and was really supportive of that um and yeah she's just been she's been great she's been great with all of us i think to yeah. be honest like she's you know she really seems to care about what happened to us as everyone did like that was what was remarkable about those films looking back yeah you know chris columbus all the producers warners you know and more than that actually way more than that like the makeup and hair people who were there for 10 years my dresser who was the same guy for 10 years you know the the all those people like it was an incredibly uh caring atmosphere it's a family it was i mean it was really like was you're doing like this every year for a decade mm-hmm. Some people and passed like, away. I'm, yeah, yeah. Some and some actors. Away, some people got married. Some people had babies. Like there was a girl. In fact, there was a girl called uh, um, Bonnie uh, Amanda Knight's daughter. Amanda Knight was the um, head of hair and makeup. Well, head yeah. of makeup on the films, and she did all ten, all eight films for all ten years. And Bonnie was born two weeks before I got the part. Yeah. And so then, like. You know, we get to the end of the movies, and she is a ten-year-old girl, <laughs> yeah. and like now I'm meeting her, and she's like sixteen. It's 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 nuts. Feeling old, are you? It is crazy <laughs> when you've got like so many physical yardsticks. But then I realize that that's what I am for a lot of other people. Like the fact that I like am 26 now really makes some people feel old when they hear that. Sure, because um, the know, people it, that loved Harry Potter are now starting families. Well, that's that's what's amazing about Potter as well is that it, it or if you know if you were like yeah if you were fourteen when the first one came out um, when the first film came out and you've been like probably like ten when the first book came out and got into it and then you're probably maybe starting a family of your own right now and maybe introducing those kids to it already. The videos. Um, and this I'm is what we watch over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm thankfully still at an age where, like, I can just about be recognised as the same person. Like, right. there is going to come a point where pe- their parents are going to be saying to their kids, like, this is Harry Potter. And I'm like, and they're like, no, it's not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and that's probably the point where they'll remake them. Well, they... <laughs> what a new kid. Yeah. yeah. They, well, yeah, or a TV show or... It seems like it's just uh, an evergreen uh, property. At but, the moment. But yeah. it was weird because you're talking about, when we were talking about things not getting things, like, when I saw people grown people reading Harry Potter on the subway in New York grown ups I used to do a bit about it I was like it's not it's for children you know like, like I was livid about how many grown adults I saw reading Harry Potter I was mad about it, it had nothing to do with you no 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 not but I was all. like what is happening to Have this you ever read culture them? never they're really good. All right, all like, right. That's the thing. They're really. That's, You've read that's, all of them. Yeah, I, I have. Obviously, like, can you imagine if I hadn't? <laughs> no, I, I'd love it. <laughs> like, I, I didn't read the last one. Or, I got the script. I get it. I get it. I have like, I in my heart of hearts, I think maybe that's true of Rupert. Like, yeah, yeah. I think he maybe just read the last script. Like <laughs> he says he read it. <laughs> no, I'm sure he did. That's that's a joke. But um, uh, it's um, no, I know people say that, you know, but I like I'm so. Uh, deliberate about what I read. I don't read for entertainment. If I'm going right. to read something, it's got to be fucking great. And people yeah. recommended it to me, but I was not going to be one of those guys on the subway. It just, if I, yeah. it's going to have to be some guilty pleasure that, that I do alone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fun. they make they make they make adult edition covers now. So oh, you I can read on Kindle too. <laughs> there's, there's, that's what I always like. Is that that's what I always found that funny that there were like there was clearly some acknowledgement that like the from the publishing company who like made grown up covers for them as yeah. well that it was like we have to make this more palatable for people reading this on the subway people are starting to get you know yeah. <laughs> they're starting yeah Marin's starting to talk about it on stage <laughs> yeah he's doing a bit we yeah. got a yeah. yeah I wish I got that kind of attention <laughs> but uh well so at what point did you 
become sort of aware of of what could be like sort of not just not a pigeonhole, but but the the, the when when we start talking about that, the perception of uh, of of child actors and right. what happens to child actors. I mean, from the word go, like there was, I remember the, pretty much the day after I was cast, there was a, an article written by a former child actor in the UK or, or by him or about him, um, basically saying like, you're all doomed. Yeah. Um, and in fact, uh, John Borman, who directed the film, the, the little part in the film I'd had before, uh, Potter was a film called Taylor Panama. And I think even he came out and said something like, well, that's his childhood gone. So from that, you know, from that moment, I was like some awareness of, okay, that's what people think happened to child actors. And then also, but were you afraid of it? No, never really. Because like I was like, <laughs> yeah, I knew what my wanted. life was like. Like I, you know, I was on set. I was. Uh, I think you know, as I got older, and the, the I I became I know why that stuff happens. Yeah, but I I do get it, and I get why it hasn't happened to me. Um, because okay, explain. I th- well, I th- I think anyway. Like there's there's no definite answers, obviously. But like I think. One of the reasons it didn't happen to me, because yeah. most actors, acting's a weird life. Like, you go from job to job, and there's very little consistency with who you see, particularly if you're in America. Mm-hmm. British film industry is small. Like, you can, if you've done one job in Britain, you'll probably know someone on your next job. Sure. Like, over here, yeah. I've yet to work with the same crew member twice. Right, right. Like, so it, it it's... You know, if you're doing that in this country, yeah. it's a lot harder. You know a lot fewer people. If you've... If your parents don't aren't aren't right, then like that's gonna but, screw you. Well, up. Th- isn't there some protections now about that? Like, because I know there are stories about some other you know child actors whose parents sort of pimped them out and took all the money, and you know. Yeah, I mean, but I think, but not. I'm not talking about even like financially, like right. being, ripping off the kid. I'm talking about just having parents who are either like really pushy or crazy, or like trying to live out their life through you. Or you like, didn't have any of that? No. I'm incredibly lucky with my parents. Like they were always amazingly supportive, but they said to me b- between every film, yeah. if you're not happy, don't we don't have to do the next one. <laughs> right. Like, you know, it was um <laughs> you know, they they were they approached it with caution I think the whole way through. Um How did they respond when you started going outside and like you were swarmed by 10-year-old girls? My well, uh, yeah, it was weird for them. I imagine they all, but they also—that's the thing. They—I remember I went to Japan when I was twelve. Yeah, I thought thirteen for a, uh, for a for promotional press. tour. Yeah. yeah, and I arrived, and there were five thousand people waiting in the arrivals lounge. Yeah, um, how many? Five thousand Japanese kids. Yes, yeah, it's, it's all of all ages, eight to eighty, just that's like crazy. screaming. And there was like a hundred security there, and they were struggling to hold them back. Me and my mum and dad were like what, pushing through this crowd, and it was nuts. And my mum's like toggle of a duffel coat got caught on a Japanese lady's duffel coat and they were like trying to separate themselves and we end up like getting into the car and I remember my mum and dad just like no matter like maybe they were really freaked out maybe they were weirded out by it but they laughed and they yeah. were laughing about it and they were like hey isn't this fucking crazy <laughs> they didn't say fucking but like isn't this like and just was laughing about it and they I think they always put it in that kind of perspective of like this is mad this is surreal like enjoy it for what it is but don't trust it too much was there like, ever a point where they were scared or your life was in danger there was creepy threats or- I mean like creepy letters never really threats but more or less people like more people that you ended up worrying for them more than us really oh really like, good just kind of yeah, yeah you sort of go you know but uh, like people genuinely asking you to use your magic powers to help Help them and what yeah like sometimes a bit of that but like we also what was some i tell you some of the highlights of stuff i got sent i did once get sent a i once got sent uh 
like a rock by a super religious family in America. Oh, really? And and they said that I was to like hit myself with it when I had like dirty thoughts. And I was like, this is, that's very kind. Thanks for thinking of me and my moral side, you guys. But I think I'm all right. <laughs> um, Send a picture to them of you hitting yourself <laughs> no, with the rock. I think me and my friend just threw the rock away. Um, that's bizarre. But, yeah. So I got, but like, you, do you think like, that they would, uh, you would have cr- like, criticized you for your, uh, for your, your uh, my uh, role in Equus. I'm sure that like, you, no, I, no, I, your I allegiance to witchcraft. <laughs> Maybe well, I always felt I we even at like eleven we were all very like as kids we were like amused by the fact that like people burned calendars of us and stuff because we saw some of that around the time the first film was coming out and like everything like it goes away like it's I feel like there was a moment of controversy with it and then it's sort of you know even even loads of religious people like Harry Potter like it's not uh, it's only very very certain type I think yeah. and I it. I also think like even when I was thinking about other child actors that you know, you know that uh, in in this country anyways like people like Macaulay Culkin and stuff like that is that that was a different time and i don't think that you you know any child actor ever uh has been involved in a franchise like this and just the the money of it i mean you could probably own an island if you'd like (laughs) (laughs) by a small country i don't know i mean there's no part of you that's sitting there going like i hope i don't waste all that money on what right (laughs) right Right. yeah like i'd have to (laughs) really fuck (laughs) Like, I mean, it would just have to be, like, the, it would be the most epic downfall. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I don't, I, again, I'm I'm very lucky in that sense and was, and, and the great thing about, for the most part, that, that is that it, it sort of frees you up to not worry about it, which is obviously, like, a luxury that most people don't yeah, have. And greatest. particularly, like, to have that young and in this job, like, to be able to say, no, I don't want to do that because I think it's crappy and yeah. I just want to do the films I want to do because I think they're good. But did you have some trouble handling the success? Did you, you know, you, did you get fucked up? I mean, I think there was there was definitely a time when I was uh, coming out of Potter into the real world. If yeah. You like. um, and... Suddenly, I was in a world where I was like, "Oh, I'm not going to have that consistency anymore. I'm not going to see all these people every year. Yeah. I'm not going to just like have my friends around me all the time. I'm going to have to like, and also like, who knows? Cause Figure I'd out how facing, to live a life. Yeah, and I've and I've and I've, I'd had, um, you know, months of journalists saying to me like, "So, how you know, how's it going to be now that you kind of peaked at 21? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah what's it's your over. Life going to yeah. be like now? Going to yeah. be okay? And, yeah, and and." You know, I'd never felt worried about it, uh, and but then you can't help but like infer something when you get asked that question all the time and start going like, "Holy shit!" Like, am I going to be I okay? Be- <laughs> <laughs> like, is this? And I do remember, like, I was like completely, uh, I was pretty inconsolable on the last day of Potter. I was just really like worried, and and then you know, I was I was living alone, and uh, I think I was really freaked out and also also at that point like freaked out about losing that element of family in your life or that freaked consistency out about, and freaked out about like I love being on film sets yeah. and like I still kind of live with the fear of just like one day someone's just going to turn up and be like hey you're not allowed to do that anymore yeah, just so you yeah. know that thing you love no, you yeah. can't do that no anymore. more lights camera action for yeah, you kid you're, you're just at home yeah. now doing yeah. nothing <laughs> well what were you doing were you getting fucked up I mean yeah I mean I was I, I, I drank a lot and, and as has been recorded but that was more about like that was more to do actually with going out in public and and wanting and and like a battle in me to be like no i can have a totally normal life man i'm like this is fine hang out with people yeah have a few cocktails yeah and i can and it turns out like and that's the thing most people probably can yeah i definitely can't um and you know i haven't i haven't had a drink now for uh 
two over two years, well over two years this time around. Um, and um, you just you don't have a tolerance for it. You get too fucked up. Yeah, I just, I'm, I've I, been sober for sixteen years. I know. Well done. Yeah, well, I know it. <laughs> I know the feeling. Yeah, and it's just like, like you get bored of waking up feeling like that. Oh yeah. And, and, you, how bad were you? Like, what did I do? Yeah, like a lot, of, a lot of that, a lot of that. Who, who did, but did you have a security detail to sort of manage you? But you know, uh, I mean, you're Harry Potter. No, you can't be out there uh, getting uh, shit faced uh, in a pub. At first, well, no, but that's like I was. Yeah, you know, that's what because that's what I. Thought. There must have been so like, many people going like buying you drinks. Yeah, like, exactly. Like hey! I, made, I made friends in a pub real fast. Like it's, and it was and it. But then like you got to keep and up. I was and I was I was super fun for like a, that first an hour. hour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then and then you get bored of being like the the liability and you get bored of being the one everyone has to look after and you get bored of hearing stories about yourself well that and, was interesting to me like you, you know because that then, was something go and ahead and forgive me if I get cagey about this by the way I'm more than happy to talk to you about this but yeah. I may be slightly cagey in front of your mic just because I I did talk about this in, in an interview and I, I it's out there and people know about it but Anytime I give any more information about it, it's like the the, oh, they the British it. press is just oh, like they, ah, they British, love it. Like yeah. Well, the interesting thing they, you, this is the story people want to write about me. Right, is that I did that you, get that child that you have this struggle up and yeah yeah yeah. yeah, they, Whereas yeah. Like, I'm quite happy now. Well, it's, well, yeah, but it's so funny that you know the, there there was a uh, a generation of British actors that just wreaked havoc on pubs for years, and it was like the the greatest and era. I, I honestly feel like there's a lot of us that feel we have to live up to that in some way <laughs> really you gotta like, be Burton uh, and O'Toole I, I and, feel like and Shaw a and a lot uh, of uh, like I find it so much easier to not drink in America than I do in England yeah like by a long long way well, it's definitely a pub um, culture I mean it's yeah. like you know and, and but even at work as well like it's everyone like I can I'm like people in America are like hey do you want to go out for coffee yeah like, coffee yes I suppose I do <laughs> I suppose that's what I can do now um, yeah, it's uh, very different well that, what, that what I was reacting to though like it took me years to realize about my own drinking experience was that I was that guy too that like within an hour or so I'd become the liability and there was part of my brain that wondered was you know did I want to be that you know did I want to be you know, I mean, like, taken care of or looked after or feel like I had friends or, like weird. some part of you wants that chaos as well in that sense of like not knowing especially I think probably for me like having a having had always a very structured life and yeah. like 90% sure. of the time enjoying that there's just that like crazy part of you every so often that like wants to just rebel against that and right. just and have some chaos and there's definitely that line though where you're when you no longer know the chaos and it's like it seems like the guys of that generation that could drink that that they were having a good time yeah, all the way through screw them yeah. for that <laughs> Like screw all of those people and their consequence-free drinking. Like, I, I I remember like yeah I remember people here and I still I still do get very envious. Like not I I get envious sometimes like when I hear people talk now and I'm just like man how do you do that yeah how, you, yeah, how I, are you okay I always had a line but I yeah. always I always tell myself as well they're not really. They're, they're, oh yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're struggling with something. Oh sure, <laughs> they, they don't feel good in the morning. I don't care, uh, you know, how uh, swashbuckling you yeah. are. <laughs> you no, still, yeah, exactly. You still feel shitty in the morning, <laughs> but uh, but like, t- let's talk about craft a little bit because I imagine going into Potter at ten, that you know that that role uh, evolved, uh, you know, fairly was only relative to aging, and it, it sort of was natural that the character was the character, and you got yeah, older in it. Exactly. So there wasn't a lot of uh, deep work Process. that had to be no, done. No. But w- did you did you study acting? Um, I did sort of latterly, really. Yeah, I mean, I got to 
an age where I was about 16 and before I did Equus actually when I was I was kind of like sort of you had to kind of prepare for that right exactly so I knew I was there'd been like a spate of uh, film actors doing West End theatre at the time and the criticism that was levelled at them time and again was yeah. they couldn't do it technically and couldn't like project and oh right they um, couldn't actually yeah. be on stage yeah exactly so I, I wanted to sort of limit the ammunition people had in that sense and um, they weren't stage actors had no experience yeah, at exactly. it and I was like and I knew that like people were going to want to say that about me like who's this kid coming well they must have they must have like had, they must have been out to get you I think some were but also there was a certain amount of okay like you're doing Equus like that's that's that, that's among certain people that makes them go like he must like he's not a play you do if you don't want to be an actor and also like, you're the right age for it yeah exactly like it was it was perfectly appropriate casting so were you you um, were aware that I imagine like you know I imagine that you had to sit down with agents and your parents or whoever your your advisors were to decide what you were going to do post Harry Potter and to, yeah. what better way to introduce yourself well that was during Harry Potter though that was still well yeah, that was too, like oh, after in the, middle? the that was before the fifth film had come out. Well, but you, there um, must so have been part of you that was looking ahead. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I always felt like it was more, it would be much easier to start transitioning to stuff by doing it between Potter films right. and then going back to Potter. So everyone was like, oh, he's doing something different. And now we get to see him in the thing we know him in. And it's, it just transitions everyone easier, I think. And people um, liked you in Equus. Yeah, and it went down really well, thankfully. So how did you prepare? Um, I went, I had a amazing coach who I still work with. Because at that age, I was like, okay, there's... The, the people who go to drama school, what do they learn? Like, I, I need to learn that stuff. Um, That's what you said to the guy? Um, no, I said it to, pretty much, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I said to um, Barbara Hausman is, is her name, and uh-huh. she's, uh, she was recommended to me through um, Kenneth Branner. Um, so I was like, That's a good, He's rec- trustable. That's a good strong recommendation <laughs> for theater-based text work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, and I, I work with her on literally every role that I've ever done since. Um, like For that, it was specifically like working on projection and vocal stuff, but since we've just been doing, like, she's somebody that I go through scenes with and have, like, I trust that I can just, like, you know. Well, because I noticed even in the, uh, uh, in the new movie, in the Frankenstein movie, in Victor Frankenstein, that, y- you know, it, it, it was interesting because the first few minutes of that film, that blurry part yeah. where you're just sort of like, you know, hobbling yeah. and, the, and the voiceover comes. It, my first thing was like, is that the monster? Like, oh, cool. Like, because right. like, I thought, like, are they going to humanize the monster? Yeah, cool. Well, that's that is a sort of the version. One of the things we're doing in the film is like showing Victor as kind of the creator of Igor as well. Like when he meets me, I don't have a name. I'm just living this sort of. Yeah, but like I could life. see that you had done some work around yes, physicality as well. Like, I, but I really liked all that stuff. Like I, It was something I did when I did the musical. I did a musical on Broadway a few years ago and that was like I was like oh I kind of like using my body and being physical and doing stuff and so every I've I've had a lot of opportunities to do stuff like that you know what's next don't you Elephant Man Bradley Cooper's just done it it's been too too recently revived I've got to wait at least 10-15 years um, <laughs> to twist up yeah you gotta exactly. wait a bit nah yeah I've, I've got I've got to wait a bit for that I did but I did have like I did I did the Cripple of Inish Man and then Frankenstein and the Cripple of Inish Man again in New York what is that so, uh, it's a Martin McDonough play um, about uh, a, a kid who also has um, in in the play it's not specified sort of what he's living with but we we sort of uh kind of made the leap that it could be cerebral palsy after the things that are described so I played a character with cerebral palsy in that and then Eagle's much less specific kind of made up condition that I sort of just came up with yeah I like that the that the evolution of the Frankenstein movie in this particular manifestation is some sort of bizarre buddy film yeah. of two you know, very attractive men that <laughs> Igor, Igor just turns out to you know you, you stand him up straight and you clean his face up and he's uh, Daniel Radcliffe <laughs> well yeah I can't get it you know I could, <laughs> but 
the, but I'm, he, yeah, Igor gets some, the girl. Somebody, That's what it should be called. Somebody said that the uh, James's alternative title for the film was Frankie Goes to Hollywood, which I quite enjoy. <laughs> um, um, but um, so, so what were some of the things that she told you? Like, you know, because it sounds to me like you really had to learn how to put well, a craft in place. You know, then the, the other person that was, I have to say, really key uh, in in learning because really, I I used to refer to myself as like a, a sort of like a point and shoot actor. Like, you just sort of like show me where my mark is and I'll right. hit it and I'll, I'll, I'll give you whatever my instincts have got like yeah. I don't really have any kind of process and then working with John Krakidis on uh, on Kill Your Darlings uh, who's the director of that and co-writer um, he was somebody that like changed how I act well I'll tell you that that story which I knew being a beatnik freak when oh, I was yeah. in college you know the Lucian Carr yeah. story is is a, I'd never seen it executed and and it was e- even in the literature in the beat literature it was it was fairly cryptic right, in, in terms of what really man. happened you, yeah. you know like you knew that Lucian Carr murdered somebody yeah. but you know with um, uh, what's his name the guy who played Burroughs who I love what's oh, it? Ben Foster Ben it's Foster amazing. is a fucking great oh, actor and I'm a huge beat guy so yeah. to you know it was important to me that it was done right and I didn't even Oh, know cool. what that was it about that it was about that, that oh cool yeah. i just went because i was in sundance for another reason yeah. and i got tickets for it and i'm like holy shit it's about lucian Carr. and what was the kid's name before lucian Dane Carr? Dehan. holy shit he's amazing he's one of my best friends that i've made really through acting yeah absolutely we're in a fantasy league together um really? yeah he's he's great we're my fantasy league that i run <laughs> okay um, yeah he's he's football he, football yeah american football american football yeah yeah, yeah. it's so you're a bizarre guy with the yeah. british and american football thing yeah I it's know. good good it's, i like it it's gonna yeah. endear you to many uh, every Millions of uh, grown men. It's great. Who it's, didn't like you as Harry Potter? I know. Now I would go on ESPN <laughs> yesterday and like talk about fantasy. I've got like a lot more probably fans in that. Did you already get some feedback for that? Uh, well, I don't have social media, so I don't know. You 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 <laughs> just detach from that. Um, yeah, I know. I have a Google Plus, but like for me, like it just—it seems like it's just uh, you know. There's that. There's that. Wait, um, let me understand something. You you don't need to self-promote at this point. Dick. You know what? Mate, I probably do. Like everyone tells me, like I'm constantly being told whenever I do a job, don't like everyone's always like, "Oh, can you get social media for us?" And don't. I'm just like, I don't. Don't. I just you'll, you'll get sucked in. It's I can't. I never hear somebody talking about it who's happy about it. I never hear somebody saying, "Oh, I can't wait to check my Twitter." Like I, it's always just it's like, like oh, crack. Man, it's not, yeah. Well, like, no, but or else they're sort of like. I gotta check it yeah right yeah <laughs> it's we, not you, like this would be fun to? yeah um yeah like it's and somebody said to me the other day and that's the thing it's not like an act of social rebellion like i don't give a shit if you have twitter i don't like i don't have strong feelings about it if you're using it for the right as long as you're not being a dick you can do anything you like but then but like the other day somebody said to me like uh what was they were talking about snapchat and they were like how can you not have snapchat right i was like i just don't have it. Yeah. I, just, I didn't have it yesterday. Yeah, There's no it's, reason. It's yesterday really was fine. Like, and that's the thing. I, it's I, the only moment I like. The only moments I come to resent that I when other people look at you like you're weird for not doing it. It's like I'm not resisting anything. I'm just no, like, dude. I just am not like into it. Yeah, it, it save your mind. Keep it to yeah. yourself. And like, that's it. And that's the thing. I feel like as well for me. I mean. And like I don't know, there's it's there's a great line in the English TV show called The Thick of It, where somebody's like, someone says, "Have you ever Googled yourself as like opening a door into a room full of people telling you how shit you are?" And and I was like, "That's yeah, like why would you invite that?" Well, there's a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I believe me, I'm exhausted by it. It always makes like, me you feel must filthy. Have to have like a huge like do all. That I do. Stuff why? Well, no, I, I you do, but like uh, you wonder though. Like you see, that's the that's the addictive quality of it. It's like, right. what if I did pull up? Right. Like would everything go away? 
would I? Would, would, well, you know, I'm sure say, this podcast would still be. Yeah, here. I would think like, so. I, know, I imagine I'd still listen. live. Yeah. But all right, so let's talk about Kill Your Darlings because cool. you know that was a, a, a sin, that was a choice. So you do Equus, and then yeah. you're like you're going to play Ginsburg. Yeah. And and in it is a very you know vulnerable and intimate and and somewhat brutal homoerotic scene. Yeah. And uh, and this is Harry Potter because like I didn't even I mean I saw a couple of the Harry Potter movies because the, the woman I was seeing was really into them so oh, I maybe cool. saw three of them okay so but I was I seen enough of them to have the reaction of like, when you're getting uh, you know yeah. you're having sex with a man I'm like what Harry Potter's what's Harry <laughs> Potter doing I know I'm not judging him but it, yeah who knew this about Harry Potter hey, at least like at least I took the glasses off for it yeah. I mean that was that's you did it right. of, well that like, was the weird thing made is more separate. <laughs> Well, that was it. Was uh, I'd never seen um, uh, gay male sex on on a screen, huh. you know, done with that type of vulnerability, oh, like right. it, or yeah. or much guess, at all, yeah, really. Suppose, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was Brokeback Mountain was like like it's like not not so much of a vulnerable scene. Was I guess? Well, it no, like, and it, like, it wasn't. You know, it was sort of more suggested than it was. Right. It was more about the romance of right. it. But this, you know, I uh, the director. What's his? How you say his uh, name? Croc- Croquitas. Croquitas. Yeah. You know, wanted it to be to have the the yeah. sort of intensity and the uh, the 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 rawness of of yeah. something you know really happening. Yeah. Because it wasn't. It was graphic. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it wasn't full frontal, but I guess it was. I guess it was graphic. No, but it's you, funny you, when you, you when it was graphic because you were registering it happening. But like, like you got to remember, like to me, what ended up on screen was like, yeah, after a, lot a whole less day's intimate work. than what was we were sure. doing. I guess so. I guess it's why we're like it doesn't seem. But it was like, the first time. Like it was Alan Ginsburg's first time yeah, doing exactly. that. So it, it needed to be like a good like, scene. A good scene and sort of like, like uh, that would be a super vulnerable <laughs> moment. <laughs> Um, so what so did yeah. you learn from him? You were about to say that you know working uh, John, with John, like re- he really just sat me down. I was like, so how do you work? And I was like, I don't know really. Yeah. Um, and he uh, talked to me about this. He got me this book called uh, Directing Actors, and he talked to me about you know just ask me questions that it's it seems silly that I was never you know asking myself, I guess, or no one ever put to me. But like the uh, saying, like, what does your character want out of this scene? You know, like, what it, what with this line, what are you trying to do to the other person? So rather than thinking, like, you know, what this should all be like in general terms, like, human beings, like, work in that way, that when you say something, you're trying to affect someone in some way. Mm-hmm. Like, and if it's, if you narrow down what that is uh, it, it, and play that, it kind of removes self-consciousness. So you're not worrying about what you're face is doing or what you look right. like or not how the coming out because that's what that's what basically that's like what I've learned and as I go on the more I learn, the more you play around the more relaxed you are the more you trust the people you're with and you can like play around and screw up the better you'll be because you'll you'll just try more stuff and you'll be more you'll be more I don't know, expressive and creative. But you really threw yourself into it with Equus and Kill Your Darling sort yeah. of like if I'm if I'm going to do this let's yeah. let's take the chances. Absolutely. And like and but that's why I've I've always been excited by the chance to like prove myself and the yeah. chance to um, just and, and work on exciting scripts. Like I've never and also I was released from the pressure of, that a lot of my friends have of like oh I want to do a franchise I want to be in like big commercially successful movies. I was released from that very it. early on. I've done that like yeah. I was and it was awesome. Yeah. And now I'm in a position where I can just do the stuff that excites me and that and that's when I talked to you earlier about like having simplified my life. Now like. I am in a position where I can afford to make most decisions based on the principle of like, will this make me happy? Will yeah. I be happy doing this? Will I learn something? Yeah, will, will I learn something? Will challenge I, myself? Exactly. And though, and when I say, will it make me happy? Like all those things, I'm not saying like, sure, no, will I, I be it. able to like chill yeah. out 
and do nothing. Like that's not what makes me happy. Like, right. What makes me happy is being able to work and stuff that fulfills me. And and uh, what about like I saw you your your little bit in Trainwrecked. Oh yeah, that and was... you, and you don't do a lot of comedy. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'd love to. I'd like. I love doing comedy. This is what you get cast in. Yeah. Um, but I. I. Yeah, I mean, I that was fun. I was doing it because I was doing the Cripple and Ishman, that show in New York, and um, Judd Apatow came and saw it, and he came backstage and was like, hey, we're filming. Do you want to maybe, like, come by and do a bit on set? And I was kind of... It was so casual. I've never been, like, offered something in such an informal way before that I was kind of like, yeah, you're just bullshitting backstage, <laughs> right, being right. nice, whatever. Yeah. You've seen the show and you're being nice. And then, like, the next day... Uh, we got a call from I guess I got a call from my agents being like Judd Apatow's phoned up he wants to talk to you about like the idea for what you're going to be doing and I was like oh, okay cool and it was like a bit it, it was, was like a the, bit. you were in a, a foreign film it was yeah, uh, like an independent artsy movie yeah the dog walker uh, the dog walker <laughs> where I play honestly it was I was so nervous that day because I was like going in to do like there was no script I was going to do like improvised comedy with Judd Apatow and Amy Schumer watching I was yeah. like this is terrifying I don't do this is not what I do like um, <laughs> so uh, I was really nervous but they were both really kind and, and, and seemed happy with what they were getting I was convinced it was like the least funny I have been in my entire life and that's how I left feeling that day absolutely and then everyone's been like saying that the amount of like press I seem to get off my 45 seconds in that that like I've been answering so many questions about that I was like yeah can I can I talk to you about the, the film I'm promoting actually that I like that one's come out and done very well can I talk to you about my weird indies um, um, but yeah it's uh, no that was that was a lot of fun and yeah that's the thing you get the chance to do mad stuff like that like that's what I love about my job is that occasionally some you get to do. Were you, are you a comedy fan? Yeah, a huge comedy fan. Like that's what I watch most of when I'm. Like, well, who'd you grow up with? Who were your your comedy guys? Okay, well, I mean, uh, being English, obviously the the original Office. Yeah, uh, I love the American Office too. But like the English Office was a huge deal to me. Also, Steve Coogan and Alan Partridge. Right, day to day. Funny, huh? Yeah. Have you ever watched the day to day? No. That's the, that's where actually the Alan Partridge character started. He uh-huh. was a sports journalist on this fake news show, um, hosted by a guy called Chris Morris, who also did Brass Eye, and he's f- amazing. Um, and so you go see stand ups. You like stand ups? Yeah, I like. I watched a lot of um, Dylan Moran. Oh yeah, up. he's been in here. Has he? Yeah. Oh, cool. He's um, funny guy. Yeah, he is very very funny. Um, a lot of English stand ups. Like uh, who else was? Oh, English or Irish? Obviously, like there's a lot of Dara O'Brien. I oh yeah, Dara's yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. Um, I haven't talked to him. I've met him. He's yeah. He's very nice guy. Oh, I interviewed Stuart Lee. Is oh Stuart Lee's awesome. Right. Stuart Lee's like a whole different World, level right? of of he, like the, the, his comedy is. It's cutting and, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, he will, he, he's just got like, he's one of those comedians that you watch and go, wow, you are fearless. Yeah. Like, you do shit that is so weird. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, repeats jokes that are getting no laughs just so, like, at the end it will come to something. Like, I was just like, that is, that is, you are, brave. oh, he'll invest an hour in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Um, so yeah, but then. What else? And I always, I've always, yeah. I mean, God, if you came, like, if you came around my house when you were, when, if like, if you were dating me when I was like seventeen, eighteen, yeah. you were coming around. We were like watching some oh, stand yeah. up that night. Yeah. Like, I God, I was, I was a bit. Uh, Jack D was also somebody that I uh, like. He's. Did you ever want to do it? I, I. No, not really. I've always had like one of those things where I, I like the idea of it, but then like you. You have to be funny like every like nine out of on ten purpose. times. On purpose, you know? you yeah, have to be and funny on purpose. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that everyone says. Oh, you know, 
oh, when when I hear people say that to other people, they're like, oh, you're so funny, you should do stand up. I'm yeah. always like, he probably shouldn't. Actually. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like he probably like he probably couldn't write a set. Right, like, or it's just really, joke. I, I don't just think went... people know what it's what goes into it. Really, I've amazing respect for my girlfriend. Used to just do open mic stuff sometimes. I was like, really? that is brave is like, she uh american she's american yeah she's from michigan is she an actress she is yeah we met on killy darlings actually oh really um yeah uh she's the girl that we my mate in the library oh okay I remember that scene. so you've been with her a while yeah yeah like oh uh, uh well yeah about three years huh yeah so what's happening with that it's going really well okay yeah no, it's really good she's awesome she co-runs my fantasy league with me um <laughs> that's all, uh, it's all about football <laughs> yeah <laughs> um uh, but no she's like it's uh she's wonderful i i do you want to start a family or anything not yet but you think no. do you have it I in mean, your head to do that day, definitely I'd, lo- huh. I'd love to be a dad definitely. yeah yeah absolutely um just you know uh, yeah, I don't know why. I've, you know why? I, no, I do know why. Because I've, a lot of my friends growing up were older than me, and I see them go through the process of having kids. And like, I saw one of my one of my best friends, like the day that his son was like, he knew his girlfriend at the time was pregnant. Literally said the words, "My life is over." Like, the, uh, my life in a ruined. sad way. Yeah, in like an awful way. Uh-huh. And then I've seen him go from that to the happiest man on earth with yeah. three children. I, and I know. Like, yeah. And it's just like wow, like get, having that kind of maybe it's sort of totally selfish and the wrong reason to want kids. But I'm like, just something that makes you that focused on something that's not you. <laughs> There's always like a sure. To me. Well, I don't. I don't have any, and I'm a, I'm a rare thing to be my age and not have any. But all the dudes that I knew that you never thought would have kids or were resistant to it, as soon as I have them, they're like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I mean, I've got the, the you know some guys in they had they just turned into softies, and it's something, there's something very sweet about. Sure, it. but yeah, and then at, you know after about three years of the kid being alive, they're exhausted. Mm. They're. <laughs> Totally. Not functioning. I mean, I also know people like that who you're like, oh man, you sound can be all right. Like you can be okay, dude. Like, and and that's the worst ones when people like making jokes and they're just like, uh, yeah, no, it's fine, it's great, but like I want to talk myself sometimes, but no, it's fine. Uh, It's like, oh god, are you joking about that? I hope you are. Yeah, I just I, I wrote a whole bit about that talking to those guys. Who uh, you don't know if they're talking to you uh, or trying to convince themselves that they're they're okay? Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, do I wade in here? Do you want me to say yeah. stuff? Or do you just or need a board to, to keep <laughs> talking. That's fine. Um. <laughs> so, how do you feel when? You, so, you live in Manhattan. I spend. I live between London and New York. And how do you how do you uh, feel when you come out here? I mean, what? It's it's weird. I've spent so little time in LA. I filmed something just outside LA recently for the first time in my life, and I it you know it's a it's a definitely a. So you've managed um, to avoid the, the 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 culture of show business in a way. I until I was twenty one, I think I'd spent probably four weeks here in my entire life. That's amazing. Um. So like, and I do find it. And and that people like are wowed by that, which is great. I can't really say it anymore, but for a while there, it was absolutely true. And yeah, I think th- this is. I find it strange when I'm here. I'm not one of the people that's like, oh, LA is terrible. Like, but it is. It's a different thing. You feel different here. Well, it's it's fascinating. You, you can't to me. help but feel like even me. I've done well. Like I'm doing well. I'm working. You just feel like the competition here. Is well, the yeah, sense of that. and also it's like tough. there's a there's a whole culture of show business where you know a lot of celebrities know each other and there's different and rings. And you, well, I can feel that. Yeah, you know that know. there's a burden to it. There's a cynicism that comes with it, yeah. and a weird sort of insulated kind of like life and comfort that comes with it. Yeah, you really live a, li- a, a different life when you're inside the business. And everyone here. like assumes you know. Like I remember I sat down with a director here, and he was like, uh, you know, he he directed videos for like some really big 
name pop yeah. stars and stuff and he was like you must know Jay-Z and Beyonce and I was like I've, I don't at all like <laughs> I, we, I have no connection yeah. to them like I feel, we, we film movies in Watford like right. there was never that we well the we, assumption is you're one of the biggest box office stars that's, that's lived so like how can you not, not have spent time with uh, yeah. uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce right. never been up to the house I know yeah crazy <laughs> um, so yeah it's it's but I, I feel kind of I guess lucky to be yes don't outside uh, of it don't let it uh, don't let it creep in because I can come because I sort of have the thing of being able to like drop in and come in and like well, see friends here and stuff you, you seem like uh, like you're you, yeah, you're a real person and you you know you, you seem to have a you. personal integrity and it's Good. a pleasure to talk to you thank you you too I really so, really enjoyed this and also like I when do you get to smoke an interview ex- this is the best <laughs> I, I, I like the secondhand experience cool, I quit a long you. time ago oh, well yeah done. just uh, just stay away me. from LA uh, yeah, okay. as much as you possibly can <laughs> said the man who lives here so you got to run where are you going I'm, I'm going to the get a star on the Hollywood Walk get out of here I know yeah it, it is mad it's completely like when they sent it to me I was like what really and here I was um, being a dick you were coming over like if he's any more later then I don't know if we're going to be able to have time to do this they didn't no. tell me you're going to get a star oh yeah no don't but like I was you know it's it's all cool I was like I was I was really excited about this as well honestly um, <laughs> I was like well you're awfully dressed up thank you for- <laughs> because I was I was I was thinking like that'll be a crazy thing and this will just be like an hour of cool normality oh, oh my god go well have a great time that's thank a big day much. congratulations yeah, my mom and dad are going to be there as well so oh, it's, it's, it's going to be cool everyone's going to be in LA and yeah. thousands of fans maybe we'll see oh have a good time thanks man that guy is a solid kid solid kid I think he's going to be alright I think he's going to he's got it all figured out but I think he loves doing what he's doing he can choose what he wants to do and he's good at it and uh, I, w- I wish him nothing but the best with his star on Hollywood Boulevard and his um, mountains of Harry Potter money nah there's no resentment here I, I really enjoyed talking to him and it's nice to meet somebody in show business that is uh, at once a huge star but also removed from it enough to have a life and uh, I was very impressed with that young man very impressive young man also go to WTFpod.com I'm drinking a little justcoffee.coop Hold on. Pow! I just shit my pants. Classic ad copy invented by me. Uh, get on the mailing list. Check the merch. Look at the guide. Get on uh, Howl for all the archives. Whoo! Oh, man. I didn't prepare any guitar, but I could probably play some. Hold on. <laughs> 